This is Mishmash, a weekly conversation where we unjumble an important and sometimes under the radar statewide issue that affects you. I'm Jake Neer. And I'm Shayna Roth. And this time we are really leaning into that under the radar portion of what we do here on Mishmash. The Michigan Supreme Court recently made a ruling on a relatively small detail regarding a petition to raise Michigan's minimum wage. And although it's a pretty specific ruling, it could actually have big implications. So here to explain is one of the best state political reporters in the business, a friend of the show, Jonathan Osting of Bridge, Michigan. Jonathan, welcome to Mishmash. Thanks both for having me. So start us off with a quick version of what the issue was here and how the Michigan Supreme Court ruled. Yeah. So um, a group called Raise the Wage is trying to raise the minimum wage through a petition drive. And as part of that process, they take their petition before the Board of State canvassers to make sure it like conforms to rules of what these petitions are supposed to look like, font size, stuff like that. And for the first time ever, the commission took exception, the, the canvassers, I should say, took exception to what's called a union bug. It's a tiny little uh, mark, essentially, on the petition saying that it was was uh, produced by um, union labor. And uh, the commission deadlocked on approving the form of the raise the wage petition, um, and uh, which essentially dead blocked it. The, the, the group could not circulate petitions. Um, so they challenged it and it quickly shot up all the way to the Supreme Court. So why does this matter? I mean, you know, what are the implications of something so specific as this union bug? Well, obviously, there are implications for this particular group, right, that's trying to circulate a petition. But there's actually a much larger issue, potentially, um, had the Supreme Court ruled that uh, this union bug was uh, not allowed. They, they said, in fact, that it is allowed, I should note. Um, had they ruled the other way, though, it could have had huge implications because, for instance, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer has a union bug on her nominating petitions that she just filed this week to qualify for the ballot, as do, I'm told, other um, mostly Democratic lawmakers. Um, So there is the potential, according to Whitmer's attorney, to throw the entire 2022 election into chaos um, just a couple of months before the filing deadline for candidates to submit their signatures. So uh, that was mostly averted, although the Supreme Court did not allow Whitmer to actually intervene in this particular case. So there's a potential that someone that the canvassers could say her petitions are uh, not right either. And it could end up back before the Supreme Court, which probably would rule the same way. It seemed for anybody who follows uh, petition initiatives, who has been to any of these uh, canvassers meetings, there is a lot of time spent on things like font sizes. I feel like at some point I heard about rulers being taken out for margins and things like that. And just different little technicalities that we often don't think a lot about are related to petition forms, uh, even before we see these petitions out circulating. So I guess walk us through why that is and why so much time is dedicated on the little minutia things. Yeah. So Michigan, you know, the Michigan Constitution allows for this petition uh, process for citizen led initiatives or constitutional amendments, but it's lawmakers who decide what 
sort of the the operational rules are. And there's actually written into state law pretty specific rules about what size typeface you need to use, for instance, on petitions. Now, this issue really came to a head in 2012 for the first time when um, a a referendum on uh, the state's emergency manager law um, was nearly kept off the ballot because the font size on their header Uh, It was debatable whether it was exactly 14 point typeface Um, and that that issue also went to the Michigan Supreme Court. So what happens now, as as was the case with raise the wage, most groups will take their petition to the board of canvassers before they even start circulating to try and get pre approval so that later in the process. Uh, an opposition group isn't going to try and keep them off the ballot because of some very small, minor technical detail. In this case, uh, a union bug, which is, you know, probably the size of your fingernail. So, Jonathan, let's zoom out a little bit and talk about all of the petitions that are out there right now. I'm having sort of flashbacks to 2012, I believe, was the time where we saw, I think there were six ballot initiatives that year that actually made the ballot. But uh, we've already talked on the podcast in the past about many of the specific uh, initiatives, but let's talk about just how many there are out there circulating and what this uh, spring and summer might, what it might look like in terms of uh, our ballots in August or November and sort of what voters are likely to see as they're out and about in the world. Yeah, well, what they're going to see now is probably a lot of paid circulators holding like five or six clipboards at a time trying <laughs> to get uh, voters to sign as many of these things as possible. Um, at last count, I think there's like more than a dozen um, petition drives that are either already in circulation or about to be. Now, it's a very open question how many of those actually make the ballot. They, of course, have to collect, you know, hundreds of thousands of signatures from voters. And then those signatures have to go through a verification process as well that can trip up groups. But then there's also this other wrinkle this year that at least three of these petition drives uh, are backed by Republican groups who specifically expect the Republican-led legislature to actually approve them and enact them into law rather than let them go to the ballot. So there's the Secure My Vote petition, the Let My Kids uh, Learn, which is sort of a voucher-like education um, petition, and um, a third one that I'm drawing a blank on right now. Uh, but anyways, these these three petitions um, are basically ideas that the legislature has already approved. And if those petitions come back before them, they could actually um, enact them into law without a signature from the governor. It's sort of a weird wrinkle in the Michigan Constitution that creates this mechanism to bypass a gubernatorial veto. And assuming these groups get their signatures, that's absolutely their plan is to go around Gretchen Whitmer change election laws, change education laws, uh, among other things. There's been a lot of talk about different uh, ideas to change our voting system in Michigan and, and, you know, sort of nationwide after the 2020 election. But ballot initiatives and petitions, this is something that's also been getting attention recently. And there are a few uh pieces of legislation out there to change how different parts of the process for collecting signatures and things like that. What is sort of out there to adjust our petition system? And will any of them make any movement in time for the next election? 
probably not a ton. I mean, the, one of the big ideas that Republicans wanted to um, change uh, this time around this cycle was to limit the amount of time that the secretary of state has to basically review signatures that are submitted. There was a feeling with the unlock Michigan petition, uh, which was the one that repealed um, one of the laws that gave the Whitmer uh, administration the power to issue um, pandemic related orders. Um, there was a feeling among Republicans that the Democratic Secretary of State, Jocelyn Benson, unnecessarily dragged out that process for too long. Now, of course, she denies that. And, you know, it was in the middle of a busy 2020 presidential election year. Um, but so Republicans want to make sure that process goes faster. That's probably not going to happen. Uh, Whitmer will, will veto that legislation if it gets to her. Um, there is a, another bill that would require uh, this one might actually get signed by the governor that would require the secretary of state to basically um, list all of the petition drives um, that are ongoing and their status um, on the state's website, you know, just sort of a, a public notice thing. Um, that's great. I will plug Bridge Michigan, my employer. We also have a ballot tracker where we're doing that exact thing right now. And the Secretary of State actually has already started to do their own version um, as well. But some of the bigger changes actually were back um, in 2018 when the legislature passed um, pretty sweeping legislation that would change um, how and where um, folks can collect uh, petition signatures. It would have required them to collect a certain amount from each congressional district in the state. So the idea was, you know, you couldn't just go to one big population center um, and collect all your signatures there. However, a, a a, most provisions of that law were actually struck down um, first by a ruling, um, you know, an attorney general opinion from attorney general Dana Nessel, and then from state courts as well. So um, there are a few new rules for like petition circulators. They have to identify on their petition now, I believe, whether they are paid or not. Um, but the big issue that a lot of folks want to change is making it a crime for these people, for circulators to lie about what their petition would actually do. There is no law in Michigan. Um, and I've certainly seen it, whether it's intentional or not. A lot of times these circulators who are paid, maybe collecting signatures for five or six, don't actually know what or, or adequately describe to voters what it is they're signing. So um, that's an issue um, that doesn't seem like it's going to be resolved anytime soon. And we're going to continue to be a broken record on this one here on Mishmash. Read a petition before you sign it. <laughs> Don't just sign it based on what the circulator is telling you. I know we've said it a million times. We're going to continue to say it throughout 2022. Um, Jonathan, let's switch gears here just a little bit um, because you, you actually reported on something, I believe, uh, today that is potentially big news, and that's that the that Governor Whitmer and Republican legislative leaders have struck a deal on a massive four point seven billion dollar infrastructure deal. Um, I mean, compare that to what we saw in 2015, which was a one point two billion that was phased in over a long period of time. Um, that's that's quite a bit of money right there. So what do we know about the details of that deal as of right now? Yeah, well, you mentioned the road funding uh, law that took effect on former Governor Rick Snyder, I believe. This one is um, more one-time money. So while that was $1.2 billion, that was sort of in perpetuity, right? It raised gas taxes mm -hmm. and registration fees. This deal um, reached just late um, 
Wednesday night, it was about 10.30 p.m. when the House Appropriations Committee um, took took up sort of what is the final version of this legislation, um, is, is, again, it's one-time money. It's mostly um, federal uh, stimulus and infrastructure money. Um, the state is going to spend a, a whole bunch. Most, the biggest chunk actually is going to go to drinking water and waste wastewater system upgrades. So helping communities upgrade their water treatment plants, their sewage treatment plants, et cetera. Um, that's $1.7 billion is going to go to that. And again, one-time money. There's $450 million for um, state and local parks and trails, um, which uh, is kind of neat. Um, there's 317 million for road and bridge repairs, 250 million for broadband expansion to try and get you know internet access, high-speed internet access to uh, more rural and underserved areas. Um, and there's a bunch of other stuff in there too. But again, I want to stress one-time money. So uh, mm-hmm. Michigan is sitting on this huge chunk of change uh, and the legislature and the governor agreed to um, spend a bunch of it last night. Um, but it's not stuff that's going to you know, be funded uh, going forward at the same levels. Mm-hmm. It's not going to fix the damn roads, friends. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I feel like we haven't heard the word agree and Governor Whitmer and Republican (laughs) legislative leaders in the same sentence in a very long time. Is this and maybe I'm being very Pollyanna here even asking this question, but is is this a sign that maybe the relationship is is changing a little bit? Is this just sort of like a one time thing that they all realized, hey, it's best for all of us if we get this money spent or what is the what is the relationship right now? Yeah, I mean, I think it's still pretty fraught, right? I mean, just last week, Republicans were accusing Whitmer of starting a war on families by vetoing um, income tax cut legislation that they had passed and then bowing to also um, veto a um, suspension of the state gas tax. Um, So they're very much at odds on a number of issues still. But, you know, things tend to be easier when it's other people's money. And this is mostly (laughs) federal money. And, um, you know, the both sides have an election, <laughs> have a big, ele- mm-hmm. big elections coming up this year. So you're already seeing lawmakers uh, putting out press releases saying, hey, you know, 95 million is going to my community for this thing. Whitmer, of course, is saying, look, we got this big thing done. Um, so everybody can kind of pat themselves on the back here and um, and, you know, use this uh, for the reelection purposes, uh, among other things. Um, of course, there will be some some real benefits for folks who get this money as well. But, you know, we are we're in election season, so I, I wouldn't anticipate we're going to have a ton of kum- kumbaya moments the later into this year we get uh, Uh, as things get more and more tense. Jonathan Osting, Michigan's Journalist of the Year. (laughs) Big congrats on that, by the way. And thank you so much for taking the time to join us and explain all of this and catch us up on what's going on. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Well, that's all for Mishmash this week. I'm Jake Neer. And I'm Shana Roth. Thanks for tuning in.